family, it is always so exciting to start our mornings like this. It is my joy to introduce to you Jack Taylor and his dad, Dana, this morning. Uh, Jack, over a, a process, came to know the Lord. Uh, the way we all come to know the Lord is different. Obviously, it's always through our Lord and Savior, Jesus. But he works on our hearts in different ways. And so for Jack, it was a process. And then going to his parents and helping him understand who Jesus is and what he's done, not only for Jack, but for all of us. And so Jack knew that he needed to pray and repent of his sin and trust in Jesus. And so he has, and he's excited to come before his church family today to publicly profess that through baptism. So Jack, have you trusted in Jesus as your savior? And are you committed to following him all the days of your life? Then it's your dad's honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in new life with him. <laughs> That's awesome. What a way to start the day. Well, welcome Living Hope. We are so excited that you are here this morning. Would you stand? Thank you for bringing the church in this room. Father, we ask that you be praised and pleased by our worship this morning. We want to bring you great glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we go. my devotion time, God reminded me of something that I desperately needed. How many of you today would say that we are living in a world that is filled with a lot of heaviness right now? Wave at me if you're, if you're with me, all right? If you connect with that and you've got your own burdens and your own heaviness, raise your hand. Come on, be honest, all right? All right, so here's the cool thing. God has something for us if we're dealing with a spirit of heaviness. You know what he says in God's word? Today we're talking about obeying God. And we don't do that based on how we feel about things. We do that based on the truth of his word. And the truth of his word says, in a time of heaviness, put on the garment of praise. He says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And here's the cool thing that I noticed. When we get up in the morning, we don't feel like getting up and going to work and getting ready for the day. We have to make a choice to put on our clothes, to get ready for the day and go into the world, right? You with me? Give me an audible, yeah, I'm with you. Okay, yeah, now we're, we're getting somewhere. 
So we have to put on our clothes to get dressed and go out for the day. The Bible tells us to do the same thing when we have a spirit of heaviness. Put on a garment of praise. It's not just going to happen on its own. It's not going to happen by itself. We have to do something. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to put on a garment of praise in obedience to our Father. We're going to worship Him, not because of the way things are today, but because of the hope we have for the way things are going to be. Amen? Yeah? All right, here we go. Two, three.
Father, we thank you that we're able to gather in your name, that we're able to live under the pressure of trials and circumstances, God, but we can celebrate the truth of knowing that we worship and serve the one who is victorious over it all. You are holy and righteous in all your ways. They are not ours, and we submit to that today. song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever bring, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, oh Jesus, Jesus the name above every other song.
sing, I will build my life. nice church sing it again to him oh And we do praise you, Father, because you are a good, good God. There is none like you. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our trust. And we are so grateful for the way that you speak to us, care for us, guide us. Lord, we look to you today and we praise you. And, and I hope that hearing the, the sounds of your children singing praise has, has, has brought happiness to your heart. Oh God, I, I pray that that you will bless our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. Lord God, as they are even now getting ready to, to, to go underground and to function under the rule of communism, God, we ask for divine intervention. We ask God that those soldiers would put down their arms and just go home and just say no more. And that this autocracy that is so destructive would be recognized for what it is, God. And there would be Christian leaders who would rise up with the wisdom of your word and lead, not just there, but here and everywhere, God. We, we need you. But Lord, your word tells us that things will get bad and worse, 
but we can always trust you. And we're so grateful for your scriptures that help us understand how, how to live for the kingdom of God in a time of darkness. Lord, instruct us today, help us today, bring glory to your name today. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Thank you again for bringing the church into this room. If you would, there's a card in front of you. Uh, the orange side is for guests. The blue side is for regulars. Uh, you can also use your smartphone. Just point it at the uh, QR code there on the screen or at the bulletin that you got maybe on the way in. And you can submit prayer requests to us. Uh, that's what the blue part of the card is for. Or guests, let us know you are here. Fill that out and go out to Guest Connect. We've got a gift for you and just want to say hi and meet you and, and uh, just hear a little bit of, of your story. We, uh, we've had a great weekend in this room. Our, our teenagers have been here with seven other churches, hundreds of kids. And so we got a little bit of a different setup this morning because uh, believe it or not, they like it loud. And so we, we turned it up a, a, a little bit louder in here uh, th this weekend. But we're, we're excited. Their theme was the family of God. And that's, that's such a, a beautiful metaphor that Scripture uses to describe who we are. We're, we're talking about the kingdom of God. Again, a biblical metaphor that has with it a, a wonderful way for us to understand ourselves as citizens and soldiers of the, of the kingdom of God and, and to trust that he is at work in the world. Uh, what we have in Christ Jesus is a life. When Jesus came into the world, he brought the kingdom of God. And now for all of us who believe the kingdom of God is in us and is growing in us and through us, the kingdom of God is spreading and it's through a life. And so we're, we're studying this life in the kingdom of, of God. And, and what we're seeing is that nothing can stop God. Nothing can stop his kingdom. As we look in our scriptures, specifically what we're doing in the Old Testament, what we see over and over again are difficulties and challenges. And God sees his people through who trust in him. Right now, it's a difficult time in our world. And, and I hope that you're praying for not, not just the Ukrainian people, but specifically our brothers and sisters in Christ in Ukraine. Understand what they're doing right now is they're making preparation to go underground because communists cannot handle, they will not have the church of Jesus Christ. They'll have a government church, but they will not have the true biblical church that is under the authority of Jesus Christ because it's a threat to their power. And so right now what we have are, you'll, you'll see images of, of the government handing out weapons to the citizens. What, what you need to understand from, with a spiritual lens, and they won't show you, is that there are Christians who are handing out Bibles to believers. And they're saying, get ready to arm yourself. Get ready to take care of yourself. I don't know if you know this, but Ukraine is, is one of the largest mission-sending countries in Europe. So what's happening now are a number of those missionaries are going home and they're getting ready to lead congregations that, that will be persecuted. And they're figuring out how, how to organize themselves in light uh, of this new government authority. Friends, communism is a plague on, on, on human beings. It is destructive. And what we're seeing uh, over in, in, in Eastern Europe, we're, we're probably not gonna be inundated with bombs. What? What the enemy's probably going to use on us is the education system and the entertainment system and government systems that are going to over and over tell us, for your own safety, for your own safety, do what we tell you to do. Do what we say. Not what we do, by the way, because what's good for thee is not good for me. That's the philosophy of the hierarchy and leadership. And so we see it. We need to understand it. We need to understand who our true friend is, who, who the blessed leader is, who it is we can always trust, and that is Christ alone. And I do have good news, that no matter what government system is in place, God will always have his church. God's people have a way to thrive because of the Spirit of God. There may only be a remnant, but that remnant will be true. And the Lord God will have his kingdom. The kingdom of God is at work in the world. And that's what we're studying this year. We're learning about this life in the kingdom of God. This life that under any circumstances, the best and the worst, we can live under the good authority of our God. What we're doing right now, the series we're in, we're understanding the kingdom of God through the lens of the Old Testament. Romans chapter 4, I'm sorry, chapter 15 verse 4 says this. For whatever was written in former days, talking about the Old Testament, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. 
So last week we were we studied uh, we studied uh, Exodus uh, and all the way through Deuteronomy, and, and what we saw there was was the importance of love of what it means to love God. And I gave you a litmus test to make sure that you, you genuinely have a love for God. Make sure you understand, make sure you see in the scriptures that, that government, if you go to the end of Genesis, was there caring for the people. Whatever cares for you controls you. So the, by the time you get to Exodus chapter one, it was the government that had enslaved the people. Make sure that the education system that's supposed to be caring for you, the entertainment industry, the, the media, the so-called news that's supposed to be caring for you and, and, and telling you what, what you need to know, make sure it's not controlling you. Because whatever you abide under will ultimately have authority. And what we, what we saw last week is there's one true source that can always be trusted, and that is Christ alone. He's always true and he's always good. He always knows what is best. And so we, we, we are to love him. What we're going to learn today is how important it is that we obey him. In the scriptures, in the scriptures, it's important to note this. And there's something uh, about the design that, that, that of, this, of this whole series. Love and obedience are linked. Love and obedience are always linked. So today, we're, we're going to be in Joshua and Judges. And, and we're, going to, we're going to look at how love produces obedience and that the plan of God is that we would obey God. The plan for the kingdom of God is that we would be a people who happily obey God. There is this, this connection though. That's why last week we started with love because whatever we love, that, that, that will drive what we, what we obey, who we obey and what we do. Jesus said it this way. This is John 14, 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Friends, in order to, in order to obey God, we have to, we have to know God and understand what he has said. And having understood who he is and what he has said, we then gladly are to obey him. Information is not enough. We must have affections for this God. It's not, you don't have enough willpower to do the right thing. What you're going to need is heart. You're going to need love. But when that love is there, th there will be an obedience. I, I've given this axiom to you for a long time. It's very true. Make sure if you haven't heard this, you might click a quick picture of this. Remember, those who know Jesus love Jesus. And those who love Jesus obey Jesus. If you do not obey Jesus... It is because you do not love Jesus. If you do not love Jesus, it is because you do not know Jesus. Friends, to know Jesus, to know who he really is, is to love him. You can't help but love the one who is holy and good and gave his life for you because he loves you. To, to know that love is to trust him and therefore to obey him. Listen, if you're not obeying Jesus, it's not because you don't have enough willpower. It's because you don't have enough love power. You don't have a genuine love and that, that love is lacking because you don't genuinely know because to see him and to know him is to love him and to love him is to obey him. And we only can do that in as much as we trust him. You're only gonna obey the one you trust. We know that brokenness comes from sin. We use the three circles to help us understand what's happened in all of our lives, happening in the lives of people all around us. That God's design is perfect, it's love, but because of sin, we've now experienced brokenness and that's manifest in all kinds of hurtful ways. But because Christ has come, because he's died for our sins, because he's been raised, we can now repent of self-sufficiency, repent from sin and believe the gospel, trust in God and what that will free us to do. And I do use that word intentionally, free us to do is to pursue and recover God's design. It is God's love that frees us to be the people God made us to be. Now our text today is a challenge. It's a challenging text. God is challenging his people to obey him to obey him because they trust him and because they love him. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. 
to, to get a sense of where this challenge is coming from, I, I want to look at a, a couple of verses. Uh, Joshua had, had just issued the, his famous challenge. Uh, Joshua's ch famous challenge is found in verses 14 through 15. As a matter of fact, the preaching team thought I'd sent the wrong verses. They just assumed that we were going to be preaching out of verses uh, uh, 14 and 15 because these are the typical verses that we preach out of. What, what, are, what does this say? Josh, uh, we, we see Joshua saying, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in, in, in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, I'm sorry, the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Now here's the famous line. It's, it's probably, you've probably seen this one before. But as for me and my house, what did he say? We will. The, the people responded favorably. And so you look in, in verses 16 through 18, and the people said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord. And they say, look, he's the one who brought us out of Egypt. He's the one who saved us. He's the one who has bought us and, and made us his own. We, we're going to follow him. We're going to obey him. But then Joshua made it real clear. Friends, it's hard. It's hard. You by and of yourself cannot do it. It's going to require faith and love. And so he, he, he tries to press the point to make it clear that being obedient to God is not easy. Look in verses 19 through 20. But Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God and will, he will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. What he's saying is God doesn't play games. There's so many people who play the church game with God. Okay, God, I came to church. Okay, God, I gave a little money. Okay, God, I said a prayer. Okay, God, now, now do for me what I want. And God doesn't play that. God is God. He's, he's not here asking for, for what we want. He, he's here to tell us what is best. And, and what Joshua was saying is, guys, don't play with God. Friends, some of you are playing with God, and you are playing a dangerous game, this game of pretend. This game of, oh, I'm one way this day and I'm, I'm another when I'm away. Oh, friends, God sees, God knows, God cares. Do not play games with God. He is serious. And so Joshua warns them with this. But look what the people say in verse 21. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. So then Joshua utters this challenge. It's a, it's a powerful challenge, and I'm going to have Demi to come and read it in her little sweet voice. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. We're in Joshua chapter 24, and Demi is going to read for us verses 22 through 24. Go ahead and read that, sweet girl. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, And put away the foreign gods that are among you, and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. Good job, Demi. Thank you so much. All right, let's get some background as to how we got to this point. How did, how did Israel get to the point that they had as much power as they did, that they were now in this land and now they had choices. They were, they were free and they could now make choices about what they were going to, to do with their lives. Let's go back to, to chapter one, go to Joshua chapter one. And let's walk quickly through Joshua to get a sense of how we got uh, to this point in, in chapter, chapter 24. Now, what, what we soon realize is that Moses has died. We finished last week in Deuteronomy and Moses was, was about to die. And so he preached that last sermon, which is what the book of Deuteronomy is. And so he has died. And now God is speaking to Joshua. And so you see there in verse 1, after the death of Moses, God says in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. And he made this promise. Look in verse 5. I'm going to go with you. you got to take them out. you got to deal with, you got to fight. And no man shall be able to stand before you. He says, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And so he commands him and he tells him what he's got to do. And so verse 89, you need to know verse 89. This is the life verse of, of many, many godly people. 
It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, the, the command of God to Joshua and the people was that they were now, having been given this land, they were now to remove all sinful influences from the land. And that is the command that we have from Christ today. We are commanded. Yes, we've been saved. Yes, we've been given new life for those of us who've repented and believed the gospel. But there's still enemies in our flesh who are still loyal to the way of this world. And God commands us, remove that power. Kill that sin or that sin will be killing you. You are now to, to walk in obedience to the Lord. Remove those things that will distract you and, and destroy you. And this command, it's central to the citizens of the kingdom of God. If you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, this is God's great command for you. Obey the Lord and remove anything that would keep you from it. When we obey God, the kingdom of God, it grows in us and through us. And so what do we see happen? So God makes this great command. And, and then look in chapter 2 through 4. What happens is God miraculously shows up. He provides a way into the land through the Jordan, parts the river just as he did the, 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 the Red Sea. And, and, and the people are able to come into this land. And then look at chapter 5. Something very powerful happens. The people make a, a public identification as God is their own. It is a cutting ceremony. It is a covenant that's being made that said, we are your people and it's a visible manifestation that we belong to you. And then Jesus shows up. Look at the last part of chapter 5. This is what is known as a theophany. This is the appearance of Jesus before he was born of Mary. He is the commander of the Lord's army. And he has come and he came to Joshua. And Joshua says, are you on my side or their side? And Jesus says, neither. You need to be on my side. And Joshua bows and worships. So then what we see in chapter 6 is, is the way obedience to God works. And in an earthly sense, sometimes it doesn't make sense. If you're going to look at chapter 6, if you're going to take over a city, why would it make any earthly sense to walk around it and blow trumpets? Sometimes the ways of God seem weird to us. Sometimes we would say, I don't know that this makes sense. God's not asking our opinion. He's demanding our obedience. And when God's people obeyed, there was success. And so there is this great success, except look at chapter 7, verse 1. There is sin. Achan would not, he would not obey God. And rather than devote all the things that were captured to the Lord, he stole them. And so because of his sin, if you read on there, the, the people of Israel could not capture that little town of Ai. And instead they were defeated. And God revealed to them who, would the sin, uh, had, who had committed the sin and what the sin was. And there was a harsh judgment put on. And friends, that's another reminder God does not suffer foolishness. God is holy and just. He loves us and he wants us, but he is not going to play games with us. He doesn't play around with sin and he brings judgment. He will ultimately and finally and fully bring judgment on sin and he is to be feared. And what you see in, in there in chapter 8 is, is this wonderful promise of God fulfilled. Now go and take it. Now go and be victorious, not because of your strength, because of the strength of the Lord. Deuteronomy 1, 30, God said, do not, be, uh, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And so this promise that God made in Deuteronomy in that last sermon of Moses, even though now he is dead, the word of God lives on. And now they're trusting in the word of God. They're walking in the word of God. They're obeying the word of God. And they began to have victory. So chapters 9 through 12, just quickly kind of glance through that. What you'll see is that the, the people of God begin to wage war. And there were some, like the Gibeonites, who said, you know what? We want to yield to you. We want to be under the authority of God. We don't want to fight against God. We want God. We want your authority over us. We want to be a part of God's blessing. Anyone who will trust in God 
will receive his salvation and blessing. Those who want to fight against God will always lose. And that's what we see happening in verses 9, I'm sorry, chapters 9 through 12. Those who fought against uh, God and his leadership, there was suffering. Remember, the battle we're fighting is spiritual. It's not political. It, the goal of the church is not to get a certain party in power in any government system. The goal of the church is to bring glory to God and to serve him in love and happily obey him no matter what our circumstances are. We are to fight against, we are to fight against the sin that's in our flesh. It says in 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Know your enemy, and your enemy is the desires and the temptation of sin. Your friend is God. The one who loves you is Jesus, and he wants what is best for you, and he's telling you, fight against sin. Fight against sin. Destroy sin, or sin will destroy you. So then you have in chapters 13 through 20, victory. The, the, the land is conquered. Just as, as God told Abram it would, uh, this is a fulfillment. Chapters 13 through 22, this is a fulfillment of the promise of God given in Genesis 12, 6 and 7. Abram passed through the land to the, to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And so now here they are, Israel, the promises are made. But they still have to live them out. Friends, God is in control, but we have to live in obedience to him. It's, it's, it's something that's actual. It's not theoretical. It's not just going to happen. We must obey and we must walk in the ways of God and make God's will happen according to his word. We are to obey God. And so here we are in, 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 the, in the end here. Now go back to the end. Go back to chapter 24. So the land is con uh, taken. It's not fully conquered. There's still sin that needs to be removed. Joshua is now old. You remember last week, Moses was old there at the, at the end. And so he preached that last sermon, Deuteronomy. Here in Joshua 23 and 24, Joshua is old. And now he's preaching this last sermon. And he's challenging the people. He's telling them to obey God. And what our text explains to us, what I want, want you to see is that to live in obedience to God, there's, there are some demands that must be met. It, it explains what obedience to God demands. So four things I, I'd encourage you to write down and remember. And the first one is this. Obedience to God demands that we choose to be servants of the Lord. Be servants of the Lord. After the people said, we're going to, we're going to obey God. Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Whenever a saint is baptized, we typically ask two questions. This young man was baptized this morning to the praise of God's great name. And he was asked, who is it that has forgiven you of all your sin? Who's bought you? And the response, Jesus. And then the, the next response, so who is it you're going to live in obedience to the rest of your life? And the response, Jesus. That, that is the confession of faith that every baptized believer makes. I have been bought by Jesus Christ. I now belong to him. And because I belong to him, I will obey him. I will live under his authority happily. This is a, a life that is free. We are now free in Christ to obey God. It says in, again, uh, 1 Peter 2.16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. The people of Israel said, we're servants of God. He saved us from Egypt. He bought us with the, with the blood of the Passover lamb. He's guided us here. We belong to him. We are going to obey him. We will serve God. Please remember, a servant of God focuses on pleasing the master, not themselves. A, a servant of God doesn't ask, well, does this, is this convenient for me? A servant of God doesn't say, oh, is this comfortable? Is this, is this, you know, do I feel all right about this? Does this fit into my calendar? No. A servant of God says, hey, God, what do you want? I want to please you. A servant of God seeks to focus on pleasing God. 
Secondly, a servant of God draws attention to God, not to themselves. The servant of God doesn't say, well, who's applauding me? Who's thanking me? Who is celebrating me? Who's looking at me? Who's making sure that they, everyone knows I'm a big deal? No, no, no. The servant of God says, I want everyone to know that God's a big deal. I want everyone to know that God is good, that God is great, that God is the one who is worthy of praise. He should be thanked. He should be celebrated. A servant of God knows and does the will of the master happily. The one who knows the, the seriousness of sin never begrudges the master who paid for it when he commands us. We're happy to. We say, Jesus, you have paid my, for my sin. You've given me heaven as a home. Your spirit is in me. Whatever you want, whatever it takes, whatever you tell me to do, I want to do it. I want to obey you because of how precious you are to me. And the servant of God seeks the reward, the reward of, of hearing God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Friends, what do you think you're going to hear the day you die? Some of you are, are, are so wrapped up in God and you give and you pray and you serve and you stand on truth. I know that there are many in our ranks who are going to hear our king say, well done, good and faithful servant. I also know that there are some who are sitting here today because of your lack of giving, because of your lack of serving, because of your, your lack of obedience to the Lord. He's going to say, you're, you're saved, but only by the fire. You have no rewards. You're here, and that's good, but that's it. You never served God's purpose and then there are some of you, and if this is you, I, I pray that you will wake up. There are some of you that God's going to say, I don't know you. Depart from me, you wicked servant. And you will be sentenced into eternity in your current condition. And you're, if you're not a Christian, your current condition is that you are standing, you are standing at odds with God and you're responsible for your sin. See, Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sin. He paid the penalty to own the rights to your life so that he could lead you and bless you. But if you're sitting here today and you're saying, no, 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 I'm going to do life on my terms. I belong to no one. I'll take care of me. I'll do what I want to do. That means your life is in your hands and you will stand before a holy God on your own and you will be judged. Friends, repent. Repent and turn to the Lord. Become the servant of the Lord. And then secondly, obedience to God demands that we choose to be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful to the Lord. We, I think we read this and we think, oh, this doesn't have... This doesn't pertain to us. We're in the 21st century. He says, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. You know, there's a, a, a grandfather was reading the Bible with his granddaughter recently. And she said, you know, grandpa, I had no idea that the people of the, of the Old Testament Bible were so bad. You know, you know children kind of have this idea that, you know, it's like fairy tales. The, 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 the people in this book are supposed to be good. No, 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 no. That's how we know the Bible's true because it tells the truth about how, how evil sin is and how sinful we are. And, and she said, but why would, they, why would they make something out of silver? Why would they make something sparkly and shiny and worship it like it's a God? And he said, well, honey, what do you think happens in our world every single day? People live to, to drive something shiny. They, they, they kill themselves to have something shiny on their hand. They, they want the best. They want, to, they want to have all these things. And they'll bow down and they'll worship whatever they have to to get it. He said, that's what idolatry is. Friends, I wonder how many idolaters there are today who are sitting in pews. Friends, understand, if we're going to be faithful to God, and I put this on social media, if we're going to be faithful to God, we must see possessions as tools we use. People as important, God as priority. Again, that's not going to be up there. I posted it. I'm going to say it again, though, and then I'm going to contrast it. 
If we're going to be faithful to God, we must see possessions as tools we use, people as important, and God as priority. See, when we make when we make possessions, and again, this is the contrast, when we make possessions our, our, our priority, when we make people unimportant, and we make God a tool we use, we can know that we have fallen into unfaithfulness and idolatry. How many of us are using God today? Okay, God, I came to your church. You better give me a good week. Okay, God, get these people out of my way. These people are in the way. The people are the problem. I need what I need. I want what I want. And the priority is getting as much stuff as I can. Friends, that, that is not the, the way of God. God commands that we put him first and trust him to provide. It says in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And you know what happens when you live that way? You don't have anxiety. There are so many people plagued with anxiety today. It says here, um, at verse 34, I'm sorry, yeah. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will, will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What's God saying? You don't have to be anxious because you can trust me. If you're living in obedience to God, it doesn't mean your life's going to be easy. What it means is, is God is with you and he'll see you through. And you need not be anxious. You need to be prayerful. God commands that we love people the way he does. How does God love people? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He sacrificed. Are you sacrificing for other people? I mean, really? I mean, do you pray and give and love as a sacrifice? Third, God commands that we use all we have to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Friends, this is what faithfulness looks like. It's about glorifying God. It's about loving God and people. It's about putting God first and trusting Him in all things. Third thing, obedience to God demands that we choose to be hearers of the Lord. Hearers of the Lord. Look at verse 24. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and His voice we will obey. Friends, before we can obey God, we got to know what he wants. And we should never assume that we know what he wants. We need to actually go to him and his word and say, God, what do you want? I have a friend who loves to go to Cracker Barrel. And the funniest thing happened uh, a few years ago. He, he ordered pot roast. And boy, who doesn't love a good Cracker Barrel pot roast? Can I get an amen? Come on, come on. So a few minutes later, they're bringing our food back. And she puts meatloaf in front of him. Ugh. It just has that smell, you know? No, no offense against hospital food, but it's hospital food. That's what gets in my ugh. And so my friend looked and he said, I, I ordered pot roast. And, and the sweet girl said, oh, I know, but we were out of pot roast, but I like meatloaf, so I thought you'd want meatloaf. And then I wish there were phones back then and I had a video because I would, I would pay money to have this on video. Sweetheart, you do know I'm paying for this meal. That I'm going to put this in my mouth. That this, this is about what I want. Friends, how many of us go to God and say, oh God, I don't know what you want because I've not listened to you. I just know what I want. Oh God, I just thought you wanted meatloaf. Oh, God, I just thought you wanted me, me to be happy all the time and have everything I want and for me to live any way I want to, any way I feel on any given day and touch any person I want and say whatever words I want to use and go about my life however I feel. God, I just assume that's what you wanted. Because we're not listening to God in his word. We're not remembering that he has bought us and he is commanding us and what's amazing is that what he's commanding us is what is the very best for us. And not only us, but those who are around us. Friends, remember that, that what God has given to us and what he wants us to, to hear, he also wants us to say. Here's, here's what's happening with some of you right now. You're listening to this sermon and, and it, this sermon's going to stop with you, whatever you kind of feel like catching. And some of you are wondering, do I even like this sermon? Do I even, does this even, is this even a thing? Friends, we, we've got to, we got to change the way we think. We got to stop just being, here's the word. We got to be doers and teachers of the word. It's, it's not enough that you understand it. You need to be able to explain why you're doing what you're doing. 
can, can I get testimony? Can you guys affirm me real quick? I need a little affirmation this morning. Can you guys affirm that almost every Sunday, not only do I preach the gospel, but I use three circles. Can, can I get a testimony? If you can say, yes, pastor, we affirm this. Show me your hands. Okay. All right. How many of you have heard me share three circles at least 10 times? Show of hands. If I ask you to write it down and share it with someone this afternoon, how many of you could do it? Show of hands. Okay, why? Because you're not thinking about what, what God's word wants, what God wants to do with his word through you. You're just thinking about yourself. You're just thinking, well, what do I want? Are you hearing what God has said? He's saying, go make disciples. Go be a disciple that makes a disciple. Go and impact the world. Go and grow the kingdom of God. But so few Christians are thinking about that because they're just assuming God wants meatloaf. That God wants what we want for ourselves and it's all about us and not God. Friends, we need to hear from God. And we be, need to be very mindful that, that, that we are, to, are called to obey. <laughs> Joshua, look at what he's doing here. He's saying, guys, listen to God. You've got to obey God. You said that you were trusting God, that he had your life. You're going to be tempted to fall away from him. And guess what they did? They fell away from God. The book of Judges is one of the most sad books in the entire Bible. My reading plan, I'm soon going to be reading Joshua, and I dread it. I'm sorry, Judges, and I dread it because it is a sick, sad book. Whenever I read it, I think of D.A. Carson. D.A. Carson said this. One generation knows the gospel. The next generation assumes the gospel. The third generation denies the gospel. We are amongst the third generation these days. Friends, understand we are either growing in maturity or immaturity. We are never spiritually stagnant. You are never spiritually stagnant. Either you are growing closer to Jesus or you're growing further away from him. You're either maturing or you're becoming more immature. Obedience to God, fourth thing, demands that we choose to be mature in the Lord. What the book of Judges is about is a people who refuse to mature in the Lord. They keep falling deeper into sin. God keeps coming and getting them out of trouble, but they keep falling deeper into sin. They keep believing the lies. They refuse to grow in their faith. And so now go to the end of Judges. Go to, go to Judges 21. Go to the very last verse. And this is going to help us for where we're going to start next week. But one quick challenge. The very last verse of Judges, the people had every opportunity. They even said they were going to obey God. But what happened? Look at the very end. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Friends, let me ask you a very important question. Is that you? Is there no King Jesus over your life, and are you just doing whatever you want? Jesus Christ did not come so that we could live in sin. Jesus Christ came to save us from sin. Not just the punishment, but the power. So that we could live a holy life. But we each have to choose. In just a minute, you're going to leave here. We're going to start at the same place, relatively speaking. From this room, you're going to leave and you're going to go somewhere. Where you go is determined completely by your choice and where you want to go. Let me ask you, where do you want to go with God? Do you want to go deeper? Do you want to mature? Well, that's going to require you to make some hard choices because as soon as you say yes to Jesus, that, that's a whole lot of other things you're saying no to. And as soon as you say no to Jesus, there's a whole lot of other things you're going to say yes to. So choose this day who you will serve. And friends, choose wisely. Your eternity hangs in the balance. Let's stand together. Care leaders, if you would, come forward.
Father God, I, I can't help but know that there are some in this room right now and some who are listening online who need salvation. They need to become your faithful servants who have been saved by your grace. And if that's you right now, I wanna challenge you right there where you are to ask Jesus to forgive you and to take complete control and leadership of your life. And if you pray that, your next step is baptism and then growth and study and being discipled. And these folks here at the front can help. If you're online, Pastor Jeremy will help you. Many of you listening right now are Christians. Ask yourself this question. Are you living in obedience to God happily? How do you spend your money? Are you tithing? How do you spend your time? Are you volunteering? Are you serving? What are you praying about? Is it more than you? Friends, repent. Trust God. Obey God and quit making excuses. Obey God and enjoy the freedom and the blessing. And if you're walking in that blessing, ask that God would keep you from becoming proud, to keep you from becoming apathetic to the pain of our world and the people around. So easy to get satisfied in, in doing and, and forget that we're called to get beyond us and to expand the kingdom of God at sacrifice to ourselves. Ask God to give you a sacrificial heart. Lord God, it's real easy to go to hell. All we have to do is whatever we wanna do. But you call us to a life that is full and rich, full of love and rich with blessings. Blessings that, that, that do not fade with time, but only grow stronger and make our life more meaningful. Lord God, what you're calling us to is, is a blessed life, but that only comes through obedience and love. So God, show us where we're falling short and guide us to love you and because we love you, obey you. To the praise of your great name, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for bringing the church into this room. Go into the world. Go and share your light and your love. You are dismissed.